I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Buffy and Frodo were in the Hogwarts library late into the night, prepping for the final trek into Mordor. Liz, I have to stop you. Why? Because this already sounds like the greatest story of all time. World Stealers! <laughs> this is World, World Stealers. That was so sexy. Yeah! Uh, speaking of sexy, this is a show where sometimes we take stories that exist and we make them a little sexy. Make them a little sexy. Or, you know, we make them a little sad or, or we make them a little emotional or whatever we choose. Whatever we pick because it's our brain cannon. Mm-hmm. You like that term? I just I thought of it. Do. I maybe heard it somewhere else. I that's true in my brain it. cannon. I'm going to take credit for it now. Actually, this is a show that's all about taking credit for other people's stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When I think to myself, sometimes alone in my home, my God, what is this podcast about? (laughs) (laughs) I often find that the answer is we are two very amazing, talented women who come together every week to pick a fandom and a genre. And then we go home and we write down original stories for ourselves and our fans and then we bring them back here and we read them aloud for you to enjoy and we talk about what it was like to write them so if you aren't happy with that then maybe you shouldn't be listening to this show i don't know how to help you that's all you're gonna get you're not gonna get anything else maybe laugh cry a little but yeah Give a little, take a little, let your poor heart break a little. That's the story of fan fiction. That's a sto- that is 100% the story of fan fiction, yes. Obviously, you now know all about Neville Longbottom in the grand old days of Harry Potter attending Hogwarts. But for the second part of this fan fiction, it's important to know what happened in 
Harry Potter and the Cursed Child if you haven't read it. So, spoiler alert! The Cursed Child is a play not written by J.K. Rowling. I repeat, not written by J.K. Rowling. And it's about Harry's youngest son, Albus, who attends Hogwarts at the age of 11, befriends Malfoy's son, Scorpius, and is sorted into Slytherin House, of all places. Some other stuff happens amongst these angsty kids, but that doesn't really matter to this fan fiction. Just know that it's after the Second Wizarding War, and everyone is pretty much still obsessed with Harry's battle with Voldemort. All right, Liz, are you ready for part two of one of the most... Uh, I came up with this phrase for how to describe this fan fiction. Mm. Um, are you ready to jump into this? Sorry. I oh my God. I'm just, so okay, ready. I've been okay, waiting okay, my okay. whole life. All my life. <laughs> I've prayed for a fic like this. <laughs> so there was a point when I was writing this, when I paused and said to myself, this is melodramatic. And then I went to say problematic, but instead of saying this is melodramatic and problematic, I said, this is melodramatic and problematic. Like, <laughs> uh, like I was about to break into a Grease song. And, Perfect. And then I stopped. High dramatic. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's exactly what I did. I stopped writing for a moment and then just kept saying that over and over as if I was about to jump into Grease Lightning. Um, Which Grease Lightning could easily be a euphemism. For a greased up peen. Yeah. A lubed up peen, which I mean, I'm sure I is in the song. I think that just, it is. Yeah. I totally think that all of those songs are Course, about Obviously, sex. that's a penis song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But so you remember, I just for a quick recap of the first half of the story, um, Celestina is the new potions professor during the time, uh, during the timeline of the Cursed Child, although none of the characters come in. Yeah. Um, at Hogwarts. Um, and she has a lurid affair with Neville Longbottom. So here's a... Quick question. Please, yes. Um, so this is going on like during Cursed Child years, right? Yeah. So I just, I mean, I guess it's not a question so much as a statement. I really like that this like insular little like affair is happening while like timelines are being changed and Lord Voldemort's coming yeah, back. I didn't, and <laughs> I didn't latch on to any of that. The only thing I took from the Cursed Child is that um, at one point, uh, what's the name of Draco's son? Scorpius Malfoy. And what's the name of his friend? I forget. Do you remember? Yeah, Albus. Albus. Scorpius okay. and Albus. Two stupid names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently throughout the play, there's this running punt or there's this running joke that Scorpius has a thing for older women. Is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I just miss that? Well, because I was researching um, who the professors were at Hogwarts during the Cursed Child timeline, and apparently there's a small suggestion of a potions professor, someone like some dark, like dark-haired professor with smoky eyes, oh. and they suggest that Scorpius has a crush on her. I thought Scorpius had a crush on Ed. Let me let me clarify this. I want to make sure we have this right. At the end of 2020-2021 school year, Scorpius Malfoy joked that Albus Potter was probably romantically attracted to the new. Potions professor. Oh, Albus has yes. a crush on her. Okay. In reference to his thing about older women. Oh, yeah. So I guess that joke does. Isn't, doesn't Albus like make out with Hermione at one point to stop her from coming into her own office? When he is, um, he's. What? They took Polyjuice Potion. 
And so he's Ron. Oh, God. Yeah. So there's like a whole gross thing that happens there that I, I, I guess it's supposed to be funny, but I hate. I only read the play once and I had no like inkling to read it again. So. So after that, Scorpius gives Albus a hard time about like how he kept her out of the office, which okay. is that he like kissed her full in the mouth and then like used okay. his hips to like hip check her out, which like a sounds a little sorry. I mean, I know that they're married, but like it just sounds assaulty to me and be. Yeah. Ew, that's Ew. your aunt. Mm, no, I don't like it. Yeah, Mm-mm. 0%. I never liked it. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, anyway, the, the but the one thing I stole from that was that this suggestion of the smoky-eyed potions professor, who is yeah, the main character of my story, man. which is the intersection of me putting myself in the story. Although this character is not really me. She really has just evolved into like every manic pixie dream girl from a fan fiction that's ever existed. Mm. Well, writing gets away, gets away from you. It gets away from you because it wants to become something else. Um, Because it's hard to write a sexy romp in the Harry Potter world without becoming ridiculous. Oh, I would say nigh on impossible to write. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, uh, so basically there's a lot of tension between her and Neville because of Neville's wife, Hannah. Right. Um, So where we left off is that uh, they kind of confronted each other about how Hannah maybe has a drinking problem and how she needs to tell Neville about their or about how Neville needs to tell Hannah about his relationship with Celestina, the professor. And that's basically where we left off. And now we're about to pick up in part two in this incredibly melodramatic and problematic (laughs) fan fiction. Yay. Yay. Okay. Um, Part two of Harry Potter sexy fan fiction. Celestina stumbled over a rock, missing it past puffy, watery eyes. Her yelp echoed down the hallway. Through her aching knees, she replayed the conversation again that she had overheard in the faculty room the day before. Through her aching knees, she replayed the conversation again that she had overheard in the faculty room the day before. Never found someone to end up with. I know she must be desperate, maybe even deranged. But Celestina had found someone once. She loved her husband, Henry. Their first year in school ended with the Battle of Hogwarts. Madame Hooch hid them both in a broom closet, where they clutched each other, listening to the castle fall apart around them, thinking they would die together there. When they returned the next year, there was a sense of safety between them that couldn't be broken. It stayed year after year. Best friends to lovers to family. After school, Henry became an oar. She knew it was his instinct to pay off the debt of protection they were both given. It made Celestina so incredibly proud. And when he was killed, hunting down one of the last bands of rogue werewolves who were still stuck in their loyalty to the dark days, she shut off her heart only to hold the memory of Henry. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, it's that's a little so dark. Sad. <laughs> oh, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Henry always admired Neville, but she wondered what he would have thought of her secret. A feeling of shame hit her at this thought. More tears followed, and Celestina pushed herself off the cold floor to try and shake them off. She turned into the boathouse. Mostly unused except for bringing in first years, it seemed like a peaceful place to let everything out. Then she could pick herself back up again and get on with life. At least she hoped. Even Neville told me that she's constantly pestering him to set her up with someone. Says he wouldn't be around her so much if they didn't have work with the students together. 
She even comes in to bother me with fake illnesses, makes small talk. I mean, doesn't she have a single friend? Hannah. <laughs> oh, you seemed so nice. <laughs> uh, Celestina had no fantasy that Hannah had pleasant thoughts of her. She was filling a teapot in the kitchen annex around the corner from upholstered booths where teachers wrote lesson plans, napped, or held the occasional one-on-one meeting with their fellows. Celestina was out of sight, but not out of earshot of Hannah, who did nothing but speak poorly of her to Professor Leavely. On any other day, Celestina would laugh. Over the last few months, though, Hannah had become almost hostile, unfriendly and cruel to both Celestina and Neville. If anything, it gave her hope that maybe Neville had finally said something to his wife about them. But a few nights before then, Neville had clarified that this wasn't the reason for Hannah's animosity. This was the other conversation cycling through Celestina's head that kept her tears out front. Somehow, she made it through her classes and suffered through little sleep in the few days, but had managed to get through the shock of what he'd told her. Maybe it was the shock altogether that helped numb her. But now it was the first day of winter break, All the children had left, and much of the teachers, going home to their families. One look at the giant Christmas tree in the Great Hall, and she knew it would be far too long this year without distraction. She turned away from breakfast in the Great Hall, headed straight down to the boathouse to feel the weight of her reality. When she reached it, she sat on a bench, looking down at the ice blue of the water, cradling the thin wooden boats. It rippled slowly, making no sound. All she could hear was her own breathing and the occasional sniffle. Pathetic was how she felt, betrayed, delusional. Even while she fought it, Neville's words from that night returned to her thoughts. She's pregnant. (gasps) Oh, no! I don't know why I didn't (laughs) see that coming, but what a twist! Oh, Um, God. Oh, this is too sad, Kate! (laughs) How dare you do this to me? (laughs) Sorry. She's pregnant he told her. She remembered seeing petals of goosegrass flowers still clinging to his sleeves from the day of work. Celestina had stared at them while he spoke, afraid to look him in the face. I wanted to tell her. I know I told you I would. Why am I just Irish? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever, it doesn't matter. Neville's Irish today, guys. (laughs) Yeah, Neville's Irish today. I wanted to tell her. I know I told you I would. She was sick for a few days. I felt it was unfair to do it then, but then she was better. I asked her if we could talk, and she told me before I could start. He shoved his hands into the pockets of his corduroys and slouched. I do think she knew all along. You were right. I wouldn't have thought until after she told me about, well, the baby. He paused again, swallowing down his own grief. She said to me, now you have an excuse to stay. Oh, I know it's hard because Hannah seems terrible, but I also feel bad for her. And also I'm worried about this baby, like fetal alcohol syndrome, guys. I know, right? Oh, Hannah. (laughs) Oh, everyone's everyone's just a mess. (laughs) Well, they're, you know, they're adults. Just because they're in Hogwarts doesn't mean that they don't have adult problems. True. You know know what? There should be a spell for that. Mm -hmm. Therapy spells. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Celestina couldn't be angry with Hannah anymore. They understood each other in a way, never really getting the man they loved completely. Hannah showed that despite everything, she wasn't a monster, just pining for something that used to be there. But without the anger to hold on to, Celestina had nothing but walloping fat tears. Oh. She felt equally sorry for both of them, 
even though it seemed like Hannah had finally won the prize. She buried her face in her hands, bunching up her robe to gather the puddle pouring from her face. Alone, she let out a gasp of misery, feeling as if there were nothing to wake up for, nothing left for her to continue her walk back to her empty bedroom. Can I just pause to say, I love this. This is amazing. So Um, dramatic. Also, I don't know about you. I feel like maybe, maybe this is my incapacity to love deeply. I've never loved anyone so much that I still want to be with them if I get even an inkling that they don't love me back. I'm like, oh, (laughs) bye. (laughs) Yeah. So I read stories like this or I listen to stories like this and I'm like, oh. Girl, just leave it. I think I think you maybe have a healthy level of self-respect. <laughs> Perhaps a bit too much. <laughs> which I which I find that like angsty teen romances, the women specifically do not have any self-respect. Yeah. But to be fair, I specifically made this like there's a reason for this drama. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm dying to okay, hear it. Okay. Okay. I'll stop interrupting. I'm no, sorry. no, no. I love when you interrupt. <laughs> I just I'm also like so angst. There's so much. Okay. Mm. Um Alone, she let out a gasp of misery, feeling as if there were nothing left to wake up for, nothing left for her to continue her walk back to her empty bedroom. She started to feel weak from the crying, thinking the bench might be a nice place to lie down. She could spend the day near the cold water, maybe even longer. It was a temperature that matched how she felt inside. As she lifted her head from her hands to stretch out across the bench, she felt a small tug at her shoulder. Tilstina jerked around, surprised. She found herself looking directly into small, beady black eyes. Underneath them was a wide mouth with sharp, glistening teeth that shrieked at her. Claws went for her neck, but she quickly jumped up. Shaking with adrenaline, she pulled the creature off her back. It hit the floor with a crack and yelled in pain. In a panic, she kicked it, launching it off into the water, where it gurgled and screamed, then crawled its way under the edge. Once it lifted itself out, she was prepared with wand in hand. It petrified instantly with a flick of her wrist and slapped hard against the dock. She stepped closer to it slowly, noticing the coat of gray fur and large hands tipped with pointed nails. She realized what it was immediately. A porridge bin. Nasty little animal that loved cold, dark places. She'd forgotten much of her studies in magical creatures years ago, but vividly remembered the painted figure drawing of the porridge bin. Razor sharp teeth and all. She couldn't forget because the idea of it then terrified her. After all, the main ingredient in a porridge bin's diet is human flesh. Ooh. They lulled their prey by affecting feelings of sadness and despair. And just when their victim had given up on living, they'd sink their tiny teeth into them and chew as much as they can until the prey realizes what was happening through the cloud of their deep depression. That's so horrifying. It's also a thing that's definitely in the universe. Oh my God, what a fucking nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks really creepy too. It actually kind of looks like a Furby. It's kind of cute, but it's a nightmare. Furbies are a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Could stupefy them if you want. But I find just a kick to their heads does a trick just fine. It was almost as if Professor Hagrid's voice was booming out of her memory and into the empty room. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh no, that was amazing. Ah! Oh, I love, by the way, just small details. I love hearing Professor Hagrid. I know. Just, he does sound good, right? Oh, what a heartwarming thing. Um, he's still alive at this time, too. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. so actually, that's a question I because he went to school at the same time as Tom Riddle. Yeah, he's very so old. Hagrid's very old. Do giants live longer? I think longer? giants live longer. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah I think they, they kind of explain that a little bit, I think. It was almost as if Professor Hagrid's voice was booming out of her memory and into the empty room. 
She leaned over the furry body on the granite, wondering if she should bring it straight to McGonagall, as it was certainly a threat to the children, or take it to Hagrid's old stone house on the grounds. He'd know what to do, certainly, but in his old age, she questioned if his judgment would steer him towards getting rid of the creature or keeping it as yet another creepy pet. Mm, you never know with you him. You never know with him. It blinked and looked over, drooling at the sight of her. She shivered and stupefied it again, just in case. Probably best for the headmistress. She flicked her wand, conjuring a trunk around it with a large padlock. For a moment, she thought to escort it, but instead evoked a small note detailing to McGonagall the contents then levitated it out the door and directed it on the path to the headmistress's office. It would arrive safely and absent of her flustered face, runny nose, and the suggestion that she was the thing's prey, shrinking in despair to be feasted upon. Having a heart-to-heart -heart with her boss about what had been bothering her didn't sound appealing at the moment. Mm. Can I... This is a wildly tangential note. Please. So between being able to levitate things so you never have to carry them, mm -hmm. apparate so you never have to walk, mm -hmm. and having your only sport take place on broomsticks, how Why is a wizard not? population not just they're like so fat, dramatically fat. obese? They yeah. Should, yeah. Well, that like Slughorn is massive. Yeah. I think he's a really good representation of like sloth. Yeah. It, but like, yeah. I don't. I'm just sorry. <laughs> I should clarify. I'm not trying to fat shame. <laughs> I'm just like, what? How do they get their exercise? Like it's, it just seems like well, they would be so sick. Maybe there's a spell for being skinny. That's true. But it's not even skinny so much as like you, you like sitting all the time is bad for you. Not moving around is bad. How are they not just like dying of yeah. heart attacks right and left? I don't know. Well, maybe because moving around is a novelty. So they do it for oh, fun. Like, ooh. Walking. Oh. oh. What's up? Look at this. I can jump without magic. <laughs> also, one of my favorite Harry Potter specific fan fiction tropes uh -huh. is in like schlocky romance fan fictions when people are describing the like hardened bodies of usually Harry Potter, Ron Weasley or Draco Malfoy. Right. They talk about how they had like their Quidditch muscles are visible. And what? all I want to do is not a thing. That's it's a, it's a it real is? thing. Um, all I want to do is find those people and be like, what muscles what do you muscles think get developed by playing Quidditch? Like, I guess if you're a beater, you've got some like, okay. Yeah. Upper arms. body. Same upper with body. like, if you're a chaser, you'd have to throw, throw the quaffle and like get into the hoops. Maybe, but think about maybe, maybe. Cause when I think about riding a horse, like you really have to use your whole body. Okay. That's true. You have to grip it and you have to like go with the flow and you have to balance. So maybe riding a broom. Yeah. Which I would think would take a lot of core strength. So, okay. I stand corrected. Yeah. 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 Maybe they do have very sexy Quidditch muscles. So anyway, that's my little tangent no, on whether that I love even that. if you get, and the people who'd be getting Quidditch muscles are realistically a very small percentage of the population. Right. So like, exactly. Guys. Make sure you're walking. Make sure you're taking some walks if you're a wizard. I just well, maybe say. that's why the kid. Maybe that's why at Hogwarts they don't allow apparition. It's less about safety and it's oh, more about the health of the children. Yeah, because they make them walk down these this huge castle, like Lots up and down stairs. corridors and stairs. Yeah, true. So they're they're concerned about like the health of the kids. Oh, that's yeah. a nice. Oh, interesting. Excellent. Okay. No, it's moving fine. on. Yeah, of course. She sat down again after the trunk had departed. The feeling of hopelessness had lifted a little, but the reasons for her sadness had not left with the porch bin. However, this time she did feel a bit angry. Desperate and deranged, Hannah was putting the limit on how blameless she was in her own struggled relationship, not to mention what was appropriate to say to a colleague. And anyway, it was Neville who pursued Celestine in the beginning, bringing surplus ingredients to the dungeons after hours, offering to help grade the stacks of exams, complimenting her, baking her an overdone dry cake for her birthday, 
Celestina rebuffed him for months, at first thinking he was just friendly, then that he was far too obvious. But then she remembered the first night they kissed. During yet another delivery of mandrake roots that she already had heaps of. Honestly, I believe you're crossing a professional and ethical line, Professor Longbottom. He ran fingers through his mop of hair. I think you're right. I didn't realize it for the first months or so, but now... I just like being around you. You have a wife. I do. He said to her with a tinge of guilt and turned away, but didn't take the step to leave. Well then, I insist you cease from flirting with me and delivering me gifts and, well, probably even speaking to me outside of a faculty setting. She was using a stern voice she normally saved for her students. Fine, but then you have to stop too. Ooh. Oh, Neville. By the way, from here on, it's going to be sexy. Oh, get ready thank for God. hotness. Thank God. Sorry, I'm I know sick. I dropped in the dead husband in there and the oh. pregnancy, but it's about to get real hot. You know what I feel it's like? It's about to get real hot. <laughs> vaulting from real sad to real sexy is just going to make me appreciate the sexy. Well, I think that's how you do it. You're like, you set up the like sad, pathetic background and then you finally give and them their like, hot, hot. Bang, yeah. throbbing member. Because nothing validates your your issues with yourself other than <laughs> banging people, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Desperately sad sex is the best. Oh, it, the best honestly, Christ, is we, oh, no. we're getting there. Emotional getting release there. sex. Oh, That's what's mm. happening. That's exactly what's happening. Okay. <laughs> Thank you to my parents for listening to this episode. <laughs> Your support means the world to me. This is not, this is a TVMA. It's not super graphic. Okay. I kept it tame. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. She opened her mouth, but no words came out. 
If you want me to go on pretending like there's nothing between us, like you don't feel something too, then I will. But I know what I know. Celestina huffed in frustration and protested again. But you are married, and to another... I know that. And I can't get away from it, Sally. Hannah hasn't said a kind word to me since we left the leaky cauldron, so I don't feel bad about it. That is such a... Ugh. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I know. Oh, this is the problematic men. part. Yep. Men. I know, I know. I Neville, know. I love you, but cheese. It's okay, it's cool. Cheese and crackers. I know. Neville's fists were clenched at his sides, and his gaze was equally resentful and pained. Celestina didn't respond, standing her ground behind the desk. It took everything in her not to reach for him in comfort. But before her will broke, he dropped his head, covering his eyes with a shaking hand, and said, I'm sorry. That's not your problem. I don't need to be putting that on you. First of all, thank true. you. Finally, finally, yes. I will admit to it. Also, second of all, the fact that she's like now pregnant, however many months in the future, mm-hmm. means that he was still banging his wife. Yeah. Well, Nevs. You know, that's Get it together. You never know what happens. You I mean, uh, no judgment, but I'm judging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not your problem. I don't need to be putting that on you. I didn't know, was all she could whisper. No one does. Hannah's much better at lying than I am. Neville's shoulders slumped in defeat. You're right. And I'ma leave you be, because, well, it's not fair, is it? Celestina nodded slowly, walking around her desk, thinking that she would just open the door to her office, let him out and be done with it. It would be simple, and she could let these feelings go eventually. Neville picked up the empty wooden crate he used to carry in the roots following her to the door. Just as she put her hand on the doorknob, he looked up at her and said, I just want you to know I was lonely for years. Never thought to do anything about it. And there were women about, you know, I mean, just those stuck on who I am from the war and all, but I didn't think of doing that to Hannah, no matter how much. I mean to say that it was you. I couldn't have stopped thinking about you since the first day of term when you laughed at Something Professor Barlow said, and I couldn't have... He looked down at the floor, a bit of gray showing in the dark locks of his thick hair. Then he pinched his lips together, as if thinking of the right words to say, and finished. I didn't realize just how lonely I was until I met you. A lonely I've been, a lonely I've had with me, even before I met Hannah. So I just don't want you to think that this was all, I don't know, meaningless, I suppose. Aww. <laughs> I'm on a roller coaster of emotion. That's so sweet. <laughs> oh, so many romance novels in high school I read. So many. Oh, I feel like I should have read more. They're I out. fun. They make you believe in things that don't exist. Okay. <laughs> so I just don't want you to think that this was all, I don't know, meaningless, I suppose. Celestina took her hand off the door and grasped the side of his face, bringing it down to hers. She couldn't stop herself. The warmth that spread between them then with their lips locked as they broached the barrier that they had both been skirting for months, it turned into a quick fire, making the dungeon-level office seem like a boiler room. Neville may have chased her, but she finished the race. I love that. What a great (laughs) phrase. Oh, I'm so happy. That night, and the handful of nights they had together after, were a reminder to both of them what it was like to feel loved again. 
All of their losses and injuries melted away in those flashes of time they had alone. If Celestina closed her eyes hard enough, she could imagine the feeling of long arms holding her and hear the whisper of a compliment that made her blush. She knew the memory of him would fade over time and be easier to lament over. For now, she just kept her eyes shut, holding onto it for one more day. Hello? She sat up to look at him, catching her breath in surprise that he was even there, as if she'd summoned an illusion of him from her own pensive. Did it bite you? He was worried and rushed to her. No, I'm, I'm fine, she said, her voice raspy from crying, hoping that he didn't notice. I saw the trunk with your note about the porch bin go by. I, I followed the trace back here and I... You're not hurt then. He looked her over. She hated that he was there to see her post-crying dejected and knowing that maybe she was attacked by a magical creature that went after pathetic people. I said I'm fine. And it was just a pest. She stood up and brushed off her robes, facing away from him to hide her puffy face. You look... Neville stopped himself and cleared his throat. Well, are you sure you're okay? I swear to Dumbledore, Neville, if you ask me one more time if I'm okay, I will send you in a trunk up to McGonagall. Get it, girl. (laughs) She tried to storm past him out the door, ignoring his small laughter in response to her threat. She didn't quite make it as he stepped to the side, standing in front of her hands out to stop her, close enough that she could smell the earth from the greenhouses on him. I'm, I'm sure you gave it a good whacking. I was just... He paused when she looked up at him. You do look a bit terrible, actually. She knows. (laughs) If you don't mind, I'm going to go look terrible somewhere away. And like everything else between them, her statement went unfinished. Neville kissed her, his body leaning into her, every ounce of his feelings draining into where they met at the lips. He pulled away briefly, holding both of her shoulders and saying in a short breath, I love you, before kissing her again. Oh! With a motion of her hand, she waved the door behind them shut, the bolt locking them in. She'd hate for anyone to find them, especially once he slid a hand under her robes. Yeah, get it, get some. (laughs) With a motion of her hand, she waved the door behind them shut, the bolt locking them in. She'd hate for anyone to find them, especially once he slid a hand under her robes. Even through the tension and the rawness of her tear-streaked face, she couldn't help but collapse into him. She trusted him completely. Beyond everything that should have caused doubt and regret, she did believe that he was a good man. He had sealed in his feelings for her by uttering what she felt about him. They hadn't said, I love you until this point. It wasn't safe. But now she was repeating it over and over as he ran his hands all over her. The sounds of two hopeless lovers, familiar with one another and lost in each other, bounced off the old stone walls and evaporated into the still surface of the water. In the heat of it, she didn't think twice of his smile or his words of happiness. She assumed it was just the moment, another memory she would toil to shake off in the future but craved in the instance. They were bundled on the floor when it was done, covered by her robes and his knit sweater. His feet were jutting out of the pile. Okay, so they had sex. It was quick. Yeah, they boned. Okay, yeah, I didn't want to go too much into it. The idea of, like, like... Saying pussy in this just sounded wrong. It's yeah, and it's hard to get there with Neville. <sighs> I like know, I, I know we all I know that didn't actor, want to go there with him, right? I like that real, actor grew up to be real super hot. hot. We get it, but like, uh, just it's Neville. I know he's such a sweet. Oh, what a man. lovely character. Okay, are you ready for this? this? Is the very end? Yay! They were bundled on the floor when it was over, covered by her robes and his knit sweater. His feet were jutting out of the pile. Glad I didn't see any porch bin bites on ya. We'd have no way to treat you. 
Celestina sat up and puzzled. You, you didn't go home for holiday. No, you didn't, you didn't hear? This morning. Obviously I didn't, Neville, she said, crossing her arms. Hannah quit this morning, went home to her parents. She, well, she told me, shit, Celestina, I was going to tell you, but I saw the port bin and then, well, this. He motioned to the pile of clothes. She's gone, Sally, left me for good. What? I can't believe, but what about the, she had yet to say baby out loud and gulped on the idea. You were a couple years back, so maybe you don't remember our old mate, Ernie McMillan. My year, a Hufflepuff. He sat up. The smile still stuck to his face. No, she said, putting the pieces together. She did remember him. Heard gossip about his quarrel with Harry Potter during the Triwizard Tournament. He was in the web of names connected to Harry and Neville, of course. They were close in school and apparently close when Hannah was tending the cauldron alone. And close every weekend she's been back to her ma's in Mayo. He let out a sigh after recalling his wife's admission. Celestina put her hands back in his. Neville, I'm so sorry. That's awful. What's awful is how relieved I was to hear it, he said, laughing a little, then twisting his face with guilt. I wasn't even angry. I think I hugged her while she was holding her bags. But then I cried a bit, so I don't really know what's going on in my head. Celestina turned away from him, both overjoyed by the news and totally uncertain to what this would mean for her. She couldn't think of what to say. Was it over between them now that the circumstances had changed? That was ridiculous, given that he was here with her, indecent on the cold floor of the Hogwarts boathouse. Streaks of afternoon sun inched closer to the water's edge. Celestina realized suddenly what had just happened there. At Hogwarts, the place of her childhood, where the greatest wizards of their time had learned simple spells, where history lived inside the walls and hallways and on every inch of the grounds, where she met her husband, where she found a new path in life, and where this man who'd shaken her and taught her to love again had just lost and sacrificed so much. She felt little in the perspective of the castle and everything it carried with it, and she felt safe. Sally? His voice was gentle and careful. Hmm? She responded, turning around with a smile to match his own. I'm starving. She laughed, as she would again with him many times, and they gathered themselves and left for the grand hall, following the smell of flaming Christmas pudding. (gasps) (laughs) What a satisfying ending. I have just been trying not to, like, (laughs) shriek with delight here. Oh, Oh, it's complicated. It's not at all, like a good example of a love story. But I also feel like, I don't know, adults cheat on each other. I was just kind of like going with that. Yeah, I mean, that happens. And also, like, uh, romance is problematic. <laughs> it's okay. We can still have it. I know, but it does feel good, right? All the loose ends are tied. Oh. <laughs> I thought that Hannah was lying about the baby. So I'm glad to hear that she wasn't that terrible. Uh, I mean, that was an option. But yeah. yes, I, I just, you know, they were just in an unhappy marriage. It happens. Yeah. It's not a big deal. And you say things you don't mean and, you know. Yeah, and sometimes you go take refuge with your local Ernie McMillan. With your little Ernie McMillan. So they were friends. I stole that from. They were friends. They, they Yeah, were well, there was like, that, like, gang of Hufflepuffs. There was, like, Justin Finch Fletchy and Ernie McMillan. That were, like, anti. Anna Abbott. They were, like, pro-Cedric. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And of course they were. You know, that makes sense. It does. Can't hate him for that. Um, oh. Oh. Yeah. Did you enjoy my I stupid trashy oh romance? Oh my God, don't say that about your story. <laughs> it was so good. Oh. Oh. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to our Smutty Harry Potter yes. <laughs> episode. Tune in next week for a rather emo and angsty but less Smutty Harry Potter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Thanks for going on this journey with us. Thanks for um, if you want to make a comment about our sexy fan fictions, you can. And we encourage you to. I mean, always encourage that. Um, uh, please just don't send us any pictures of your stuff. Yeah. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no. Well, no pictures of hatchet wounds or meat poles. No, unless, unless somehow <laughs> your genitals look like a character from Harry Potter. That then would I be see really them. cool. Then maybe you look, maybe your vagina looks like Voldemort. I don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, that's like that grilled cheese that looks like the Virgin Mary. Like yeah, if yeah, that's yeah, yeah. your if that's penis, your, then bring it to us. Fine. Actually, you know Otherwise, what? Otherwise, don't. This is not to encourage anyone to send dick pics, but like penises do look a little like Lord Voldemort. They do. <laughs> <laughs> Although that's a that's a man who needs more iron if his penis no. is that gray. Okay. Oh, well, true. Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. Oh, really <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Uh, you can follow us with all these great ideas at World Stealers, and that's on both Instagram and Twitter. Correct. Um, you can email us uh, at info at morebanana.com or you can go to morebanana.com and check out our stuff and check out the other shows. Um, and, you know, if you want to follow us, on, or wait, fuck. If you want to subscribe and like give us a little review on iTunes, that's always we would love super that. helpful. We will also be posting our fanfictions as always on fanfiction.net yes. and archive of their own. Yes. Yeah, so you can check them out there. Yeah. Our uh, fanfictions will be posted under World Stealers. Indeed. So just Google that. And if you have written a fanfiction and you want us to read it, we Whoop. might not, but we'd we love might. to. We, we might. might. Email it to We're us. We're open to the idea. You know what? Email it to us. Email it to us. We'll see what We'd we We'd love to give you a shout. Yeah. Okay. All right. Bye, guys. Uh, do we have a sign out? I forget. I don't think we have an official sign out. Off to another world. Indeed. <laughs> Off to steal a world. Oh. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you.